This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Question for you. What if you had a completely remote workforce? I'm not talking about people working from their homes. I'm talking about people working in vans. And you had a need to get them learning and keep them engaged and teach them new stuff. How would you do it? Well, today we're going to be talking to one person who had to solve for that very problem. The solution? Mobile learning. Now, mobile learning's been around for a long time, and yet a lot of us still haven't taken that leap into bringing knowledge to your audience where they need it. It's an amazing episode full of awesome ideas and really great learnings. So let's get ready. Cue the music. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to another amazing episode of our Fabulous Learning Nerds. I'm your host, Scott Trudy, and with us, as always, he's fair to Midland. You love him, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh yeah. Dan. Hey Scott, how you doing? I'm good. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, sir? Well, normally I'd say fair to Midland, but I feel like you stole my thunder on the intro. Oh, that was that was minor compared to what I'm eventually going to do with your thunder on the intro. But that's for another I'm show. So, I'm so afraid right you now. You should be so very afraid. afraid. Isn't that what Yo- <laughs> Master Yoda told us that? Be afraid. Be very afraid. We are the learning nerds. We get to drop nerddom every once in a while. That's don't true. We? You will be. Mm. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to move along. Move along. You opened that door. I did. I just walked through. Fantastic. I guess I'll just... We'll nerd out for a minute. Did you watch Loki? Uh, I haven't watched episode two yet. I'm doing this instead. And I think I made the better choice because afterward I'm going to watch Loki. I've watched the first episode and it is fantastic. Yeah, you want to go down the rabbit hole of quantum physics and multiverse stuff. That's your jam, man. How do we do that with training? Like, how do I build, like quantum entangled training so that way like everybody's picking all the choices all the time so when a learner makes a choice then that learner then becomes a variant of his own learning journey daniel oh my god we should probably move along this is going we should we're gonna go ahead and bring some rightness of some order to the universe yes uh you love her abby dawson everybody Abby! Hey there. How you doing? Doing great. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm fair to Midland. That would be original. <laughs> that would be fun. 
That would bring re- listeners and emails up the wazoo if... Uh, wow, no pressure. Do, I mean, do you think so? I, I, I do. Know. I totally do. That is great. <laughs> Are you watching? I'm just glad you're here. Aw, thanks. This is my favorite place otherwise, to be. Otherwise, we would have talked like Loki for an hour and a half. We, sh- we could no. do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we should. Maybe not record it, but we should definitely nerd out and talk about Loki. <laughs> we we can definitely nerd out and talk about Loki. Um, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. Um, we're uh, not alone, everybody. We do have a special guest with us tonight. Um, we'll find out whether or not this person's been watching Loki. Also, uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, a big round of applause for Mr. Zach Boswell. Hey, everybody. Scott, Dan, Abby, thanks for having me. So, in regards to the most important question, Loki, I am absolutely a fan, and I'm chomping at the bit to watch it, but my wife, she has this thing, like, she's gotten, she has just been conditioned by the world that we live in to binge watch everything, so she cannot do the one episode per week thing, she wants to save them up and knock them all out at one time, so I'm doing my best to hold off on that. But I have been going back and watching all of the movies leading up to Loki to kind of get my fix of the Loki appearances throughout the MCU. So pretty excited about it for sure. You know, I totally get that because I too am like a binge addict when uh, invincible came out on Amazon and I found out that it was going to be week by week. I got so angry that I just didn't even like watch it. I was like, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> yeah, it's weird to go back. Once you know you can watch it all at once, having to wait a week, like it's painful. It's just not the same if you're not watching the last episode at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., you know? like <laughs> That's right. I totally get it. Dan, did you seriously put off watching Invincible till it? I did. I did. Out of no other good reason than just pure grumble, like old man, like, oh, if they're not just going to stream it all at once, I'll just wait till I can binge it. <laughs> And, um, you know, I don't regret it. I don't regret it. I made a choice and I stick by it. And for those listeners. You know, for our viewers. <laughs> for our viewers, you guys can't see Scott's face right now, but his mouth is literally, I think the term is a game. It yes. is a game. Uh, he almost <laughs> fell out of his chair and that is not an exaggeration. It was it, great. <laughs> I, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you waited to watch. And you know what? I'd do it again. <laughs> And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sits up. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna need to take a break in a minute and go compose myself because I can't believe our co-host made a choice like that. But that's okay because we're here to talk groovy stuff with Zach. And thank you for coming to the show. We're gonna go ahead and kick things off like we always do. A little segment we call "What's Your Deal." Hey, man. What's your deal? Zach. What's your deal, man? All right. That is a loaded question and could have so many different answers, but let's talk learning and development um, in particular. Um, So I I don't come, I think a lot of us, we don't come from uh, traditional learning and development backgrounds. Um, I'm no different. I started off, you know, working uh, all sorts of... I say that my uh, resume from before the company I'm working for right now is basically a list of a season of dirty jobs, basically, that uh, TV show. 
you can pretty much go down a list and like, oh yeah, I've pretty much done most of that. That's that's really great. But uh, <laughs> came over to Asurian and uh, worked through uh, some operational sort of roles, and then just really discovered learning and design. Um, instructional design and never knew that it was a field. I guess I always assumed that trainers just created the content. Um, there was, you know, maybe a graphic designer that just created things or a computer programmer and found this really interesting field that's just at the at the intersection of behavioral economics, how people learn, what motivates people, and technology, really. So that's really what I like to geek out about. And that's kind of where I've, you know, found you know, my calling inside of, uh, inside of the company I'm working for to go through, you know, and innovate in the space, find new options, discover new solutions, and uh, really just look to um, do things a better way, leverage the best, the greatest of uh, how people are doing things, whether that's mobile learning or virtual reality or augmented reality, other things that I could geek out about, and uh, just creating some great experiences for people. Well, that is fantastic, and I'm super excited about what you're going to talk about tonight because it's going to be a nice blending of learning and tech, and we don't spend nearly as much time talking about tech as we probably could, so this is really great, so I really appreciate it. So are you ready to get started? Absolutely. All right, everybody, let's go ahead and dive into what the goodness that Mr. Boswell has brought to us today with our topic of the week. Zach, what are you here to talk to us about today, sir? I thought I could talk a little bit about mobile learning. Um, it's something that is kind of talked about a lot. I think that a lot of companies, um, a lot of people are interested in this whole like education on the go, having content that goes out to people and meets them where they're at. And you hear a lot of buzzwords associated with it. You hear a lot of people talking about it, but is it always done right? Um, what does it actually mean? Uh, it's kind of like the numerous buzzwords that are out there in the industry when you're talking about, you know, adaptive learning and micro learning and, you know, all of this that kind of wraps up with proper mobile learning. So just wanted to, I'm not, you know, saying that I am a professed expert. Um, I, I pride myself on not being an expert on anything. I think I'm just a, pretty much a generalist across the board, but I definitely have quite a bit of experience with different mobile training solutions um, coming up with some unique um, kind of solutions that we've been able to implement. And I thought it would be cool to share that. That's really great. You know, it's interesting you bring uh, mobile learning up because I, the first time I ever went to a uh, convention, uh, I went to my first session, it was on mobile learning and that was a decade ago, right? So mobile learning from an, uh, from an idea or implementation kind of concept has been around at least that long, probably longer so when we think about mobile learning in, in today's space using today's technology, what are some things, what are some tips and tricks or, you know, uh, thoughts that you have for our audience that can help them make this a reality, right? So I think that, hey, we all want to, we all want to take our, our mobile, our learning mobile on the go, right? We meet our audience where they're at, but actually making that work, I think, is the real challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of times um, mobile learning is almost a, checkbox for different you know technologies you may be looking for oh this is this is mobile enabled we have an app for that you get in there and the experience is just absolutely horrendous 
Um, and that's something that we found out the hard way when we were looking for, you know, to solve some big challenges and actually have something that people wanted to participate in, in a mobile environment. So I, I think, first of all, just think think through what you're trying to accomplish and think from an experience first and work your way backwards. Like, don't think so much about, you know, this is the target device. Obviously, that needs to be a consideration. Um, is it going to be, you know, smartphone only training? Because that's what our challenge was, um, which is, I would say, probably one, one of the biggest uh, challenges that you can have. Um, you know, if they don't have a computer at all, but sometimes they do have computers. That's technically, you know, mobile learning on the go or tablets and whatnot. So, but think through the experience and whatever, you know, just, I mean, getting to the basics of instructional design, learning and development, what are you trying to convey? What are you trying to teach here? And kind of working your way from that. Um, so that's what I'll say, first of all, and definitely try before you buy with some of the technologies because the check on the box with it's mobile enabled or we have an app doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a great experience and people won't use it. Um, we ended up having to, and I'll, I can talk a little bit more about this later. We basically had to create our own learning app using, you know, websites, which are properly responsive, just hacking together a solution to get, you know, some specific options for what we were looking for because some of the options that we had that had apps and were apparently mobile enabled just weren't working out. You know, I, I, I love that point you brought up, like about the experience uh, for a lot of people who may know me, what I'm going to say next might be a surprise, but I love the idea of mobile learning, the idea to be able to like pick up something wherever I'm going to go, get some learning, make it a good quick hit, not have to like tie up a bunch of resources, just get the knowledge I want and go. But so often the experience is like so bad. Like how long does it take me to find what I want to like, listen, how easy is it to get assigned to people? Like all these things were like, companies are like, yeah, we got a solution for that. Follow these 33 easy steps and your learner will get their course. And then nobody's happy. And I, I feel like the industry has been like perpetually 10 years away from like a good mobile learning solution for the past 30 yeah, well, I mean, that's absolutely true unless you consider YouTube mobile learning, you know, like people are hungry for it out in the real world, yeah. you know, when we get behind our walls of like what we're doing and, you know, the corporate, you know, stuff that we sometimes need to create and put out there and uh, making sure people complete things. I, I think sometimes it's lost, you know, just how people like to engage with content, what they naturally gravitate towards and can we create experiences that resonate with them and feel more like what they would naturally consume out there in the real world um, outside of work. And um, I mean, it, it, there's a lot to that, you know, when you're thinking of engaging content, infotainment and things of that nature. But there's also a lot to that that's just having something properly responsive, having it feel right when they're scrolling through it, you know, functioning similar to scrolling through a website, an activity that most people do probably a hundred times a day, um, you know, having a you know, a chat with, with that's in portrait view and you can just talk to a few people and you can actually see it properly and you can engage with who you're talking to. It's not some, you know, uh, team like chat window with a million tiny tiles that you can't see on your phone. You know, there's just all sorts of little things that you can do to make the experience more pleasant and engaging and make people want to use it as opposed to, you know, just kind of a shoehorning 
or scaling a solution that's for something else into a mobile, a tiny mobile window. And I mean, I think it goes without saying, but I'll say it. Absolutely test everything that you create on a mobile device and go through the course, have other people go through the course before you publish it. You know, don't just create it and then check the box for, you know, scaling it for mobile and expect people to turn their phone into landscape mode and just deal with it, basically. So, Zach, I've got a question for you. For those who haven't moved to mobile learning yet, and there are reasons people haven't, um, culture inside different industries and businesses, what advice would you have for people as they consider that shift? Like, what, what things should they look for that tell them it's the right time? I, maybe this does make sense. And then any advice for those first few steps as they start moving into a mobile learning solution? Yeah, that's a good question because I think... Uh, we were there for quite a while. Um, just it's an option and excited to try it. But just being excited to try something is not necessarily a reason to go for it. I, I think there's a balance between that and being prepared for needing it for some purpose and experimenting and um, exploring options out there, especially when you're going to procure tools and you're, you know, paying for, you know, <laughs> paying for a, a tool that you're going to be using for the next three years or something with some agreement. But uh, that being said, I think, yeah, first off, just is it something that you absolutely need? Is there a good reason? And I think some of the reasons that we had to look for it is we had this challenge of a completely decentralized classroom model. It was completely remote. We couldn't depend on, we knew that every applicant, every new person we brought in for this program that we were training for, um, they all were going to have smartphones. Like they had to have that for the applications that they did their job on. So that was like a minimal requirement. You have to have a smartphone. You have to have a good internet connection. But beyond that, like tablets, laptops, they may not even have a computer in their house. So like we ran into a few that didn't even have a computer in their house, as crazy as that is for me to think about. They just had their phone and that was it. So um, clear need there where you're like, okay, well, we're hiring in for this program. We don't have a centralized training facility. It's too cost prohibitive to ship them, you know, have people fly somewhere. Let's look at that. But I think there's something to be said and some of the stuff that we've looked into um, since we made the jump and done a lot of this mobile training is uh, the on the job knowledge piece, kind of going back to what we were talking about with the with YouTube and, you know, kind of the bite size learning. You'll hear that phrase out there. Uh, can we deliver them knowledge and training more at the point of need as opposed to some arbitrary point that we want to get it out there? And you know, how do we manage that? How do we look at our content differently in some cases? Some cases it's not about completion and scoring. It's about engagement and how useful people find it and looking at their actual performance metrics and did this actually help them on their job? Did they get better at what we were hoping to achieve? And acknowledging that there may be a huge chunk of the population that may not take your course, which can hurt, especially if you <laughs> spent time creating something. Let me back up for just a minute. Like you, you know, you had a need and you developed the course because your audience needed it. Why even bother? Like, like so why, why the mobile solution? What, what are some of the benefits that we're looking for aside from the obvious, like it's the only way to get to them? Like what are some of the other benefits that we have with mobile learning? Yeah, I, I mean, I think 
you can go back to the fact that it's something that people are ultimately comfortable with these days. Um, more people interact with a mobile device than they do their computers usually in their personal lives. Um, unless you're unless you're Dan, I think that may be different for Dan, but <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. Um, it's possible. But yeah, I think that that's <laughs> I think that's one thing. I uh, I think that um, the flexibility of having it as an option and that approach. Once you design with mobile in mind and people can access it from those devices, it really opens up your options for where you can deliver your content, where you can reach people. You're not con you're not as confined um, to a particular window of time, or them being at, especially if you have a mobile workforce where they're maybe they're at a at a job location, but then they're driving out and about and doing their jobs, and they're coming back to a location, which a lot of um, companies have you know, mobile remote workers. Um, so I, I think that that's it, meeting them where they're at, providing, it makes it much easier to provide that knowledge when they need it, the kind of point of need training that we we're talking about, and um, just uh, having an experience that will adapt to any device. Way back when we created things with, we knew we knew the exact monitor that everybody would be using. Like I had this monitor sitting on my desk and like, I would make training on my nice design monitors and just over there and I'm like, oh, those colors look completely different. This is what everybody's going to be seeing. It's like those days are over now. You do have no idea what's what, you know, screen size, what resolution. So designing with mobile in mind kind of naturally solves all of those like um, all those scaling, you know, sort of challenges, all the responsive design sort of stuff. You get the added benefit of naturally accommodating anything else that the user may have and having a good experience on whatever device they want to use. So they can use their preferred device. They don't have to use whatever company issued thing that they have. And of course there's challenges associated with that from a security and access perspective. But And going back to your comment about like you used to have that monitor and you knew exactly what you were looking for and you knew exactly what the experience would be. Now, when you go and test and you test on different devices, what are you looking for? Is that testing experience different than what you used to test for just like on a PC learning? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts to get more close. It gets more uh, kind of closer to an app developer, honestly, um, when they push out an app and they have to make sure it works on the variety of Android devices and iOS. Um, there's a lot of considerations there when you consider, you know, web browsers, tablets, how it functions, having a good experience. I think it ends up being similar to that. And I'm not saying we do robust testing on every variety of devices. But we definitely, you know, put it out there and get feedback from our user base and we listen to the feedback. You know, sometimes you may have something that doesn't size properly on a particular device or it's just the text is way too small. That's something that we notice right off the bat. Um, that's another side benefit is um, any of the uh, coursework or presentation where that, you know, maybe is excessively wordy, like that just won't fly on mobile. Like you have to have an option, like if it gets beyond a certain amount, like make it an experience where they're reading through almost like a web page or something like you can't have a static slide with just tiny text like you'll hear about it pretty quickly. Yeah, I think it becomes more more closely um, related to kind of app development and testing on multiple devices. Um, but essentially, it looks the same. I mean, just getting feedback from your users. Is it a good experience? Is it something that they, 
you know, did they have any issues, technical issues otherwise, or, um, you know, that sort of engagement feedback? Is this something they enjoyed? So what are some of the pitfalls you ran into? So you mentioned the one, like, and I totally, and by the way, I don't care how big your screen is, word farms are never a good thing. Like, you yeah. know, let's, let's be economical <laughs> with yeah. our word choices. And, and I fight that fight every day. I don't know who taught the people I serve. And I'm, I, I believe that it doesn't really matter where I go. I'm going to see the same thing. Like, hey, let's have a contest with how much stuff I can cram on a slide seems to be a general thing. So I'm always fighting that battle. That aside, what are some of the, uh, what are some of the other pitfalls you ran into that you might want to share? And more importantly, like, how did you solve for them? What were some creative solutions you had to some of those problems? Yeah, that's a good, um, that's a great question. There are a lot of challenges that are, um, I, I think expected and then there's some that you get into that are almost um almost ancillary but go very they're closely related to um the challenges that you'll experience with the actual devices presenting content on those devices so i think uh you know we talked a little bit about the scaling you know designing it for a small form factor when we first started out we had to move quickly we repurposed a lot of content and just you know published it for mobile and that was i mean we immediately heard about it people could tell a huge difference between what was created for mobile with mobile in mind and the content that was just ported over and we got immediate requests simply to make it look like the other content or feel like the other content it just wasn't it was not enjoyable for them obviously um, and then you go the, to the creation tools what tools are you using to create content and then publish what mobile options do they have um, we had to look at specific tools that you know were responsive. They published responsive content. Um, they didn't just have a scalable sort of um, publishing um, like content in the end. And then uh, you know your LMS or whatever tool you're using to get the training out there or app. You know you have to look at those options. Um, I, I think along with that, we talked quite a bit about that. I think along with that, it's dealing with connectivity. You know when you have a remote workforce. It, there's a, I, it's a real thing where someone will have their, you know, content just drop out on them. You're having them do activities on the go, something you have to think about. So we had to look at, you know, caching and offline options for our content to be able to accommodate that options to make sure when they got connected back, it would give us the information that we needed that they completed it and track their progress. That was kind of a nightmare for a while. Um, but you know, there are tools, there's ways of doing it. And a lot of these challenges, like they've been solved for other industries for a decade or 20 years, you know, now when you think of websites and how they track, you know, what people are doing on your site and how they pick up with, you know, here's an offline option for the website and whatnot. Um, I, I, I think beyond that, uh, the huge one, well, I guess we mentioned security and privacy, like that can be issues possibly for your company. So something you need to look into, whether that's a single sign-on option through mobile or something, uh, RSA token sort of option. Um, measuring what they're doing is challenging, more even more challenging when you have those connectivity issues. You have to set it up right. And we, we leverage some of the tools that are out there for websites, Google Analytics, to kind of supplement our traditional LMS, um, kind of SCORM information that we're getting and XAPI information that we're getting. 
And I think the big one for us, like the risk of distraction, like it's already terrible with virtual training. Like that's a huge challenge. I think the risk of distraction is just way worse than it would be even for a general virtual training. If you have somebody who's just, you know, scrolling around on their phone, you know, sitting in a coffee shop or in their car or whatever, like it's so important to create a truly blended experience with a variety of activities, having some actual human engagement in there to break up the, you know, even if you have the best courses in the world, it is untenable to have somebody go through that for eight hours straight. You know, you have to have a mix of engaging activities. We had, and I'll talk a little bit about this in a bit, but we had, you know, some activities where we actually have them drive to different locations and almost like geolocate and they could do activities wherever they got to. Um, and I think making sure that individuals, when you have um, chats with them, that they remain on camera and they're engaged, like doing the best that you can to make sure that they're still with you. And then, you know, measuring those results, tracking their engagement, um, when you have these sort of options and you're a significant portion of the content is self-paced, you have to make sure that, you know, someone isn't just not doing the work, you know, you got to check in on it and make sure that they're logging the time and, um, you know, only, not only just participating in the live face-to-face -face sort of training stuff. You know, you, you brought that up about like making sure that they're on camera and I, I'm sure that's a, a, very apt lesson for all of us in COVID times right now with all of our meetings and stuff, but it really does make a difference. Like just being in the learning field and like rolling into a classroom to either like talk to or work with people. And like, if their cameras are off, it's so easy to like disconnect both as, as a learner and, and as, as, as a trainer or as somebody like helping them learn, like without that face, it's yeah. I, I, I would struggle and I do struggle. And speaking of struggling, it sounds like your team went through a, a big overhaul themselves, just learning how to do this. Um, any, any stories or tips you could share with keeping everybody engaged and getting through that process of, oh, we tried it and it didn't work. Oh, we got to learn something else. Oh, who heard about this? Like, that's got to be painful in itself. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it was it was definitely a challenge keeping people motivated. It was a hard couple of months to initially figure out what we were going to do and dive into it. I kind of go back to just some of the stuff we should be doing in general, I think, is creating more um, focused, objective-based, like bite-sized sort of content. Uh, you can't always do it, but when you can do it, makes it so much easier to throw away what you spent a day or two working as opposed on as opposed to I've been working on this interactive course for three months and it doesn't resonate with people. So um, there's, uh, you know, I mean, we were, we're working on VR training. So obviously, like, we're still very much, you know, a fan of doing stuff that's fully interactive, fully engaging and takes a lot of time to develop, but making sure that you use the right tool for the job and you're designing the right experience. And sometimes you can accomplish something with, you know, just a really great kind of mobile course or a quick video. Um, we had a lot of portrait view videos, which is a little tip that really resonated where it's felt more like a FaceTime sort of conversation. We had some tools that we found that were actually kind of like a, kind of like a Snapchat sort of, um, 
like walkie-talkie sort of conversation so you can go back and forth with it, it would pop up in almost a FaceTime sort of conversation and then you could respond to it and someone else could respond to it and kind of go back and forth just different varieties of activities like that that we were able to quickly just iterate and experiment with that um it wasn't too painful when we had to throw you know good chunks of it away and i'm pretty sure you know now i've, I've since moved on to other challenges that group has probably overhauled that content multiple times since we originally created it and it looks probably completely different than it uh, had originally but yeah i love this idea of taking that experience away from the phone or having your user disengage from the phone and engage in the real world and then come back um that was an aha moment for me like that's really really great what other creative solutions um did your team discover? And I, I love the vertical video. We're looking into vertical video, although my media team really hates that idea, right? So we, we really, you know, this so is... why everyone else is doing it out in the real world. Like, why why is there such resistance to it? It's this 16 yeah, by 9 TikTok. thing. You, you wouldn't watch Star Wars in vertical video, right? So I, there's this idea that, oh, everybody should be able to turn their phone. And yeah, I can but I don't really want to. And in that experience, I mean, this is, this is how our user engages with the phone, right? So I totally love that idea. What are some other creative uh, solutions that you guys came up with to really enhance what you're doing? So I can probably talk a little bit more about some of the solutions to dig in a little deeper, but what I can also add is um, we were able to create some things so once we had this program launched, we had an entire workforce that would, um, they were trained completely mobile. Um, they were completely decentralized. They had a location that they met up with, but it wasn't a location owned by our company. They would just meet there to get their product, deliver it to the customers, and talk them through a setup option. So, I mean, the let's not even get to the cultural challenges of keeping people engaged with something like that when they, you know, the sense of company there that was a huge partnership with the um with our actual operational teams you know to talk through you know how can we create content to supplement you know some of the like huddles that you're doing things that you're doing to keep people engaged know what's going on um i i think once we got it established we got it out there we had to do quite a few pilots for new products and new solutions and we partnered with our app development team. So one of the challenges the app team had is, uh, I'm sure many people have experienced this, when you're working through, you know, the technology and development, it's getting faster and faster, obviously, these days, but, you know, still can't always move as fast as we need it to. And still, there are plenty of options, you know, there's plenty of, uh, still, there's plenty of times where they may launch a, um, a program and not have the proper support, you know, in the app, not have the proper support that the, um, the individuals out in the field will need. So we were able to partner with them to like, Hey, we'll have a web link. We'll have a training web link. When you have this job that pops up in the app, have a training button on there, have an option and it will go to, it'll feel seamless to the end user, but it's an, it's kind of that on the job training. You know, it was one of those where, you know, this particular need was only a portion of the population that we're going to get it. It was only a portion of the jobs that this population was going to get. So does it make sense to pull every single person 
off of their, you know, day job to get them up to speed on something that they may not ever even do. You know, let's target particular markets. Let's partner with the this app development team, create this training that is integrated into the app and feels like one experience. It feels like just part of the app. And, you know, part of that's, you know, a little bit of a, maybe a lesson in humility for, you know, some people like, okay, well, you know, maybe it feels like just a win for the app development team, but is it best for what the end user needs? And we're able to create an experience that was pretty successful and able to pilot a lot of different things. And you can do some cool, you know, A-B testing when you have something like that too. You partner with the dev team and you know, say, hey, this market, we're going to release this training. This market, maybe we have a different version of it with a few different steps or we have no training for other markets. And you can get some really interesting findings from that on, you know, how how effective your content is. So I thought that was another pretty neat thing that we were able to do. I think that's so cool. And it makes you realize like mobile training is not just getting the kind of training you've always done on a mobile device. It's a different opportunity. Uh, There's a whole world out there of things you could do. Uh, So that's pretty, pretty cool and exciting. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, and I may be uh, playing to the appropriate crowd here, but podcasting, that's something we looked into. (laughs) Like someone's driving around and they're sitting there in their car for 15 minutes in between jobs, at least driving around. We started creating long form content in a podcasting format, there was some resistance to that initially. Like uh, some people who were not used to listening to podcasts, they were like, oh no, it has to be, they were in video mode. Like it has to be four minutes, you know, at most you can't have a video, you know, can't have an audio. No one's going to listen to it. And we put it out there like, okay, we had, you know, we, we compromised, had, I think a six or seven minute podcast for our first podcast. It was an interview with you know some of the leaders of the company talking about why the why the program's important. Again, kind of partnering for the kind of culture aspect of it for the teams. And unanimously, all the feedback we got was we want more. We want it to be longer. You know, it's like by the time they got started listening, it was done. You know, <laughs> so it was definitely a education moment for um, the team. But that was super fun, and we still do. Um, you know, I really opened the way for a lot a lot more podcasts that we've been able to do since then, which is super exciting. It's a great content. It's, it has unique advantages, I think, that um, other content doesn't. Tell us more, Zach. Tell us about all the great advantages of podcasts. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> You know, just to, just to piggyback on that, you know, uh, I, I had a very similar experience as we were trying to build a podcast for, for our team to, like, get out there and, like, help build culture. And, uh, like, the initial, like, feedback from some people was like, oh, like, why is this 20 minutes? Like, why is this 25 minutes? Like, no, no, no. It, anything longer than 10 is, is suicide. You got to chop, 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 chop. And you're right. Like, getting people, like, out of that video headspace, I think that's a really good way to put it, can be tough. You got to be like, no, this isn't video. This isn't something you're going to pick up on your phone and stare at. You're going to put it on a, something that plays the media, put it in your back pocket, and do other stuff. My experience um, is that the shorter podcasts are ones that those people that are doing them are producing a lot more of them, right? So you want that daily hit. So it all depends on your purpose. So my experience is I've got plenty of podcasts where I get that daily hit. It's like that motivational stuff that I immerse myself in every day. And it's great. I'll also be honest that they repeat themselves 
a lot, right? So um, that's one way of thinking about it. The the other way of thinking about it is, you know, hey, um, that once a week or once every other week where you've got an hour of really good stuff um, and I can do other things and yet still immerse myself in something that's important to me. I think that's where the real value around that mobile learning or podcast learning really comes into play, right? So if you can provide me um, avenues to get things that are important to me, whether somebody told me that this is important and you need to do it, or I choose to go ahead and engage in those avenues via video or podcast or whatever, um, and you do it in a way that's relevant to how I live my life, then you're golden. And the and the last thing I'm going to say is I used to tell people all the time, like as soon as, and I want you to kind of comment on this if you can, we, our phones dictate our lives. It's the very first thing I look at when I get up. It's the last thing I look at when I go to bed. Uh, a lot of the times it's yelling at me and telling me what I need to do. And ultimately it's the space that I need to play in because if I don't play in that space, I'm behind the time. I'm missing so much of my audience. So, you know, if you could comment a little bit about, you know, relevancy and, and the advantages of, you know, actually being on a phone and, you know, how your team's kind of solving for those problems and, and the creative solutions that we're putting forward, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think you're you're right on the right on point there. Um, again, it kind of goes back to meet the people where they naturally are, like not even inside of work, not these, you know, experiences or I mean, maybe experiences kind of loosely, um, not not this, you know, environment that we've created artificially that they, you know, have to adapt to at work. Like, how can we create these experiences that meet them where they're at on the devices that they care about? They're on all day long. We have, you know, experiences that feel similar to other things that they do outside of work, how they want to learn things. You know, I mean, if I if I have a problem with one of my appliances, I will look up a YouTube video and figure it out. You know, I mean, there's just like just tons of examples of that and, and engaging content and informative, engaging content. Like there's just, you go on YouTube and there's just so many options um, out there for people that do that well. Um, what can you learn from those and apply to your learning? Um, so I think that that's, that's the biggest, um, it's one of the biggest things that um, really attracted me to mobile learning in general and how I think it's very powerful. But, um, you know, also having those tools, <clears throat> Excuse me. I think also having those uh, those tools and experiences, um, leveraging things like a uh, mobile chat. You know, being able to leverage some of the some of the stuff that people already do. We've looked into notifications on the phones for the training. That was so huge. Being able to do any version of that, if you can do it, like you said. I mean, that's how people know what they need to be doing. That's how they stay on track. If you can integrate with their calendar, if you can notify them of what's going on. Um, and part of that, we just piggybacked off of what our um, app development team was doing. It's like, hey, you know, we're helping you out by supplementing your app with these training experiences to make it better. Like, could you also, you know, prompt for, you know, once a week, here's a bite-sized piece of knowledge that we want everybody to see and want everybody to interact with. 
Um, it's just so powerful to be able to do that. Same thing for the podcast. You know, if you have it published somewhere or an app where people can subscribe to it and it gets delivered to them automatically, it just makes it so much easier than the alternative where it's just constant push, push, push for, you know, for that content. And um, like there's so many mechanisms. There's people that have spent uh, how much money would you calculate that um, Apple has spent figuring out how to hook people and keep their attention? You know, like let's piggyback off of all of these companies that have spent, you know, billions of dollars on resources uh, resources to figure these challenges out about how to engage people. And um, well, let's just leverage some of that infrastructure um, as opposed to, you know, artificially sending an email or pushing it out ourselves. And then having that engaging content, having it more readily accessible, you'll find some people that start to pull the content. It's not just push. They'll start to look for more information and, hey, I'm going out to this job. Here's something that could actually help me for what I'm about to do. This is relevant to me right now as opposed to, you know, three weeks ago when they can't remember what it was that they, you know, took. So, Zach, we were were joking around before we started the podcast about as soon as we know about something... And, and tell our kids we learned how to use it. It's uncool already. Like, that's how we know the time has passed. <laughs> I mean, the mobile world is is dynamic. It's always changing. Any tips for things you're following or ways you kind of keep your ear to the ground to make sure that as new opportunities come up, you're able to take advantage of them? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have three kids uh, listening to the kids and looking at what they're doing and copying it, and then they move on to something else, and then you can copy that, and it's just a forever <laughs> game of chase. Of with yeah, no, I it's so funny. Like I had a a moment um a few years back where I was talking to my middle child. Um, she's thirteen now, and. I mentioned Facebook and she didn't even know what Facebook was. It's like <laughs> obviously on the phone all the time, you know, like has all sorts of experience. Some of these like core social media, like didn't even know what it was. Like not even like, I don't use that. That's for old people. Like <laughs> I don't even recognize what you're talking about. I use Instagram. And I was like, Oh, it, well, it's like Instagram with less pictures. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't make any sense. You know, it's just, <laughs> So, you know, then then it's TikTok, you know, and I think all of these different applications, it's not like you have to copy them just to copy them, but like pay attention to what works and what's going on and cherry pick the best things that you want to add into your experiences. Um, I think you can learn a lot from mobile games, too. That's something we looked at early on. Um, we never that's one of those things. Well. I can talk about one example. I, it, some of the, our experiments did not go super well from that standpoint. It looked like it was going to be too much, um, too much development work to get to where we wanted to get to for some of that. But um, a lot of interesting things that you can pull out. One of the things that we did end up sticking with, so we had this challenge of hiring everybody before there were even jobs for them to do and keeping them warm for months, all in a completely mobile environment. So you just imagine the, I mean, I I hate going back there myself and thinking about it. Like, how are we going to keep these people from being disengaged and just dropping off like flies? Like, sure, they're being hired to do a job. How are we going to keep them active, keep them engaged in the culture, keep them knowledgeable and ready to go? Because once we hit this particular mark we had a huge amount of hiring that needed to be done and we needed to be running full 
full on 100% once we got over the two month mark. So there were some individuals, not all of them, of course, some of them were hired later on, but some of the individuals, they had been sitting around for months, you know, doing activities um, that we had created. And what we did was um, partnering with our technology teams, they needed data and analytics for routes for um, fine-tuning some of the software we're using to calculate, you know, what's the best route to get to a customer's house, what's the, um, you know, best, uh, the most efficient way to do that, and to how many jobs per day can we get, and all these analytics that, you know, I didn't want to think very much about, but we're able to partner with them to, you know, get them the information they need and say, like, hey, we'll use some of your team, like, let's deliver some training activities we gave them some artificial, in the market they were in, gave them artificial houses, customers to go to, and they would pull up. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. Maybe a little creepy. They would pull up outside of a random house, you know, and go through a training activity in their car. So we, we did give them some, we gave them some instructions like, hey, like, you know, do your best, like, you're not pulling in people's driveways and do your best to not, you know, be a lurker. But they would pull at a particular you know, next to a neighborhood, close to the target, like, location, they would upload in this training um, experience we created, they would um, identify that they were at the location we're at, and we could see that they had made it there, so we knew they actually drove there. Then it would start a training activity that started with a conversation. We had a pre-recorded person talking to them like they were a customer. Here's the issue I'm having. I, uh, you know, uh, this particular instance, it was... Uh, you know, backing up their data, you know, so we had, you know, some sob stories about like, oh, I've, I've got this phone, it's broken, I would need to make sure I get my, you know, the pictures of my kids off of here, or, you know, some actual examples that you hear is, uh, you know, maybe I have a loved one, and they passed away, and I have this, is, I've got a ton of pictures on here that, it, you know, they're going to be lost forever. And then just really putting them in those sort of real world experiences, they've spent some time driving over there, then they start this activity and all of this, and then they would have, you know, maybe a quiz associated with it. They'd have some virtual activity where they could do a data transfer, for instance, ask them a couple of questions. We would log that and then we'd give them their next job from there. And um, the power of that is not just having the training activity model the real world and keeping them engaged when we didn't have any jobs or options there, but it was really ingraining in them how important it is to um, support your customers, how important it is to stay on track, stay on schedule. Like they were getting that repetition every single day in the training experience. It wasn't them just, you know, sitting at home taking lessons, you know, they were able to have an experience that was around this actual real world, um, you know, what their job would be like. And they got a real feel for what the job would be like. I got some great feedback from some of those like, Surprisingly, some of those that were, you know, stuck doing these sort of uh, Pokemon Go learning experiences that we had created, stuck doing that for forever, you know, for two months, like, got some really good feedback from them that they were just like, I, you know, really actually enjoyed that. It was a time to, you know, build the culture with the team and we're able to, you know, learn the ropes of the job and they felt very prepared when the job started. So I, I thought that that was really, that was really cool that we were able to do that. That's awesome. Scott. Scott's got to be drooling. Like, if there's a believer in role play in this world, it is Scott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Little known fact, it's his actual middle name. <laughs> what's sad is, and we, we repurposed a lot of that content, but what's sad is um, 
it's not sad. It's kind of the nature of what we talked about, being willing to just accept that maybe the content you're creating is useful in the moment and building content that can easily be improved upon and replaced if necessary. There came a point, you know, where it wasn't as useful for that, you know, when you don't have to keep people warm on a job, you know, in, a, in, a, in this artificial training environment, they have actual jobs they can go to. They can do a ride along with somebody and actually get an experience with a real customer. Um, it, it's not as useful. We were able to repurpose a lot of that content to have, you know, some training activities in the training, like the first week of training. They're not, not intended to be doing jobs, but it felt really job-like to them. So we're still able to use some of that. We dropped some of the geolocation sort of stuff that, you know, we had put in there and some of the other stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it was pretty neat. Well, we're coming up on time. So I just have two things. Uh, one, Daniel, you're wrong. My middle name is not roleplay. It is invincible, which is why I'm pissed at you. <laughs> so, um, like, invincible roleplay? Is it, like, hyphenated? <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. So, at any rate, um, Zach, thanks for your time. Uh, as we wrap things up, what, uh, what do you have one or two takeaways for our audience, things that you think are really, really important as you drive home your message today that you want, you want them to keep in mind when it comes to mobile learning? I think go out there, um, experience it yourself, you know, download applications, try out some of these, you know, options that are out there that, um, again, companies have spent billions of dollars in R&D finding an experience that will hook users and that is pleasant for users to use. Like, go out there and take the best of, you know, take some inspiration from some of these. And if you don't want to do that, take inspiration from your kids, you know, look over their shoulder and take notes and they will hate you for it probably, but your learning will be better for it. So that's definitely, uh, that's definitely one thing. And I think uh, kind of going back to where we started with this conversation is again, just thinking about thinking less about the tools specifically and less about the target device necessarily, but more about the experience, you know, creating something that is, um, that has a clear purpose. Like we always want to be doing that when we're creating learning anyway. I think it goes doubly for mobile training where you have something that is actually helpful, actually useful to the end user and you're designing first with that in mind and the experience in mind. And then you start working back like, okay, what are all the constraints to this? What are the, you know, particular technology that I have? What are the devices I'm delivering to? And kind of working your way back from there. Oh, yeah! Zach, you dropped the knowledge, sir. I really, really, really appreciate uh, everything you brought to us today. Folks, be sure you connect with uh, Zach. We're going to put his uh, LinkedIn profile uh, as we do uh, in the show notes. I'm sure he'd love to um, answer any questions around mobile learning and or uh, discuss uh, your favorite superhero show uh, at length. So that's fantastic. daniel son. What you got, Scott? Could you do us a favor and let everybody know how they can participate with us? Absolutely. Party people, if you haven't already, hit us up on email at learningnerdcast at gmail.com. Email us questions, join in on the discussion. Tell us why it's okay to binge watch a show a few weeks after it comes out. Whatever you want. Uh, if you're on Facebook or a Facebook or the Facebooks, you can find us at Learning Nerds. 
Lastly, on Instagram, where all the cool kids are hanging out, I hear, we are Fab Learning Nerds. Well, that's going to wrap things up. I want to thank Zach Boswell once again for dropping the knowledge and bringing some groovy stuff to the show. Hey, folks, do me a favor. Hit subscribe on that app that you're listening to so you can get us every week. If you love the show, be sure to share it with your friends. If you really like the show, you can leave us a review on either iTunes or Stitcher. If you hate the show, you can also leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We want to know how we're doing, and it helps us actually uh, get more content out to you. And with that, my name's Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. I'm Zach. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Electronic Specifier Insights podcast is dedicated to asking the big questions of the electronic industry's biggest players. Electronics and technology are becoming increasingly integral across all aspects of daily life and within society as a whole. Check out the Electronic Specifier Insights podcast at www.electronicspecifier.com. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. When do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.